welcome back good morning afternoon or evening ladies and gentlemen wherever you are in the world right now i want to say thanks again for tuning in additionally i hope you guys are doing well staying safe and healthy this is the first verse post thanksgiving and regardless if you celebrate the holiday or not i hope you had a chance to spend time with family friends teammates loved ones etc over some great food and wine got to play a couple games and um, create new memories getting a chance to escape some of the harsh realities of 2020 that we've all had to face and endure and hopefully not forgetting to extend that gratitude beyond one day out of the year as always this verse sponsored by point advisor merch feel free to grab yourself a hoodie or a shirt and you can do that more easily since i put the link to my store in the verse description now for this next guest man one of the most brilliant minds i've come across uh, supreme expert in his field, my good friend, Dr. Justin Lin, CEO of Rehab and Revive Physical Therapy. Where in this verse, he gives us some more clarity. Why do I treat your body right? I like a charity, right? And we go over so many great topics, how to really trust your mind and trust your body, how to understand the importance of physical therapy, both during and off season. We talk about all the recovery tools, if they're gimmicks or if they actually work. Talk about how to use your muscles on different directional planes, forward, lateral, diagonal. We talk about how to fire your core and use that as your real base for your foundation as an athlete. That and so much more. So please enjoy this amazing interview with my good friend, Dr. Lin. Enough said, let's begin. Uh, let's get this thing rolling. All right. So today we have Doctor of Physical Therapy, my good friend Doctor Lin. Um, as I've been promoting this past week, um, how long have you been a physical therapist? Um, talk to me about your business and give the people a little bit of insight about who you are. And uh, like I told Mario two weeks ago, you know we don't have those blue verification checks, so you might want to throw in some people or teams you worked with as well. Um, <clears throat> so I'm uh, Doctor Justin Lin. I uh, born and raised around in Southern California, uh, and uh, I've been in practice for 15 years. I've had my own practice for close to 10. It's called Rehab and Revive Physical Therapy. Uh, in this practice, uh, we've had the opportunity to to help uh, you know MMA fighters, uh, athletes like yourself, Carlin, uh, um, MLB players as well, and that's been uh, that's been a joy as well as the chronic pain. Uh, regular orthopedic uh, population as well. So we yeah. really specialized ourselves in kind of that nerve and inflammation and just kind of getting people with our hands-on skills to, to get better, get more efficient, and uh, to go on living a good life. Right. Sounds great. I like that intro. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, about 10 to 12 questions. Absolutely. We're going to try to stay around three to four minutes to answer each question. Um, because we only have an hour on here, and I want to try to dedicate the last 10 minutes for a live Q&A for the awesome. viewers that ask you directly. So uh, let's let's get to it. Let's have some fun. <clears throat> so the first one, and I talked about this a little bit with Mario on his side of the spectrum and his radar, but there seems to be a growing consensus um, in terms of the attention around mental health in sports. Why do you, Why don't you believe there's the same type of um, urgency or the same type of approach for physical therapy? Well, I think uh, mental health, that that space, that realm is emerging. It's got a lot of great uh, press. Uh, I myself uh, had taken sports psychology classes myself and um, and the performance aspect so important. You know, they're, they're tied in. You hear a lot of great athletes in that mindset. I think that's so powerful and, you know, how tangible and measurable are those things uh, you really see it when it comes into stressful crunch time situations, you know, who's going to be the hero and who's going to be a zero, right? You know, right. it's who's got that mindset. You're kind of seeing that right now in the NBA bubble, right? right. These great teams just crumpling, right? And the ones that have thrived, uh, and you know how to uh, be in that right mindset. Uh, now, in terms of physical therapy, I think a lot of people think we're like cookie cutter and, uh, and they kind of view us a little bit more on the rehab when they need us not as a preventative or a vehicle for performance enhancements or just being efficiency and even, you know, like really do we think about prevention or pain? You know, I mean, do we think about prevention until you feel pain, right? Like 
a lot of times they're like, hey, I'm not going to go seek out a, a, a doctor of physical therapy, a physical therapist to, to get advice uh, or to get the right body work uh, in that essence to, to, to improve those little micro movements, right? Um, how measurable are those things? You don't really see it until maybe it is performance uh, and you just feel better and your recovery is faster. So um, I think, uh, you know, your question is, like, is, is it, you know, there's not a whole lot of buzz about seeing physical therapists as a specialist for optimal health um, yeah. and wellness. And I think they, I think we really do need to change the paradigm because um, we're quite knowledgeable. We have to know all realms of uh, the medical world, uh, where to send people to the right place or open-minded. And, you know, some of the most creative medical professionals uh, I know and talented are physical therapists. You know, I'm biased, of course, but... Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I think it is, and I think yeah. you see it that way. I think you said it best. I think you, I think you said it when you said it's. It seems or it feels like for a lot of people, it's a, it's a cookie cutter approach. Whether you're 60 and just recovering from surgery, or you're 21, you kind of get sent to that facility from your insurance. The physical therapist throws you on a quad machine or a shoulder machine or a, a ankle thing, and that's pretty much it. But I think. <clears throat> when you dive into it the way you do with your practice, that more hands-on approach, that innovation, I think it would excite more people to work with uh, guys or women like yourself who are really trying to push the boundaries to take physical therapy to another level. Um, the next question I have is, there seems to be a lot more career sometimes, or season injuries, or season-ending injuries and career-ending injuries happening lately in sports across the board of football, baseball, basketball we see acl tears like every week it seems like we see achilles tears basically every season we see so many of these injuries what do you think is attributing to that uh great question carlin i've been uh, struggling with that uh, for many times as a professional trying to i'm wondering why i'm watching oblique injuries in baseball tommy john uh, a lot of the times and here's my belief i don't have a whole lot of uh, research behind this uh, but my belief is that uh, a lot of people are, uh, they're, they're, they're putting a lot of uh, emphasis on these uh, great functional exercises. Uh, however, a lot of times their body has become too powerful to slow down these powerful motions. So yeah. in sport, and I would say a lot of medical people would agree that Injuries tend to happen when it's an eccentric, which is a slowing down process of yeah. any motion. Hamstring pulls happen when you're about to hit that ground, you know, and then push off again. It's not the push yeah. off that happens. Yeah. So what happens is over length and the body doesn't know what to do with all this jarring that's happened from these big, powerful muscles. So the emphasis yeah. has really gone away from these postural muscles. And I think you know, good, great athletes who have endured a long time seem seem to have a good understanding of how to be efficient with their micro movements mm -hmm. uh, and micro movements just being at the joint levels, what I like to think, yeah. and very efficient there. So, um, you know, these big, powerful muscles tend to to just just generate power, but how do you slow down that power? Right. That's equally as important, right? It's right. Like, you know, so it's like me batting right-handed all the time as a baseball player. You know, that's going to get dominant and then it'll break down. But what about taking some practice cuts with my left, you know, being right. on the left side of the plate? You know, yeah, it's it like just balance. Yeah, it makes sense. I think a lot of us going through this funneling system, high school, uh, division one to a professional level, there's not much talk surrounded around the phrase or the words. How do you have the same type of efficiency and slowing down? It's always be more explosive jump higher, move faster, sprint quicker, um, second jump, jump quick again. So I've never heard in my, in my career or my lifetime saying, okay, let's work on your landing technique. Let's work on not putting so much emphasis on your knees, but let's shift that weight when you do land to let's say your glutes or to your hamstrings. Um, and I think it's a narrative that desperately needs to be changed because like you said, I think of, I thought about Derrick Rose when you said you have so much explosion, but then when you stop, how do you gear it to where it doesn't affect or tear or rip? And we've seen how he's had to battle back, but it makes you wonder, had he had the right treatment or had the right team of support staff, physical therapists around him early on in his career, had he would have even got injured in the first place, which 
segues to my next question perfectly. Around what age do you suggest uh, players in any sport, any level, um, should they start really locking in and getting a or having a go-to physical therapist to check on what their body needs and deficiencies and then create a sustainability plan for their career? Well, in my career, Carlin, I've been able to, to treat all ages, uh, whether it's from six months old to, to, you know, 80 plus years. And my feeling is, I think once we specialize, um, you know, and it could be when you're five years old or 10 years old or 15 years old for some cases, yeah. uh, once you really are, are putting that max effort into a sport, uh, it's really important to find that sport specific or task specific type of uh, ways to, to, to kind of combat all the excess forces that you're dumping in for whether it's a pitcher, whether it's jumping, um, yeah. swimmers, you know, imagine someone that's butterflying all the time for right. swimming. So um, I think as soon as you decided, hey, this is this is the you know the sport I want to devote all my time into. I think when you're playing cross kind of different sports and cross training, I love that. I mean, I personally that's that's my personal and professional belief. We can cross train better. And then guess what? I think there's some some truth to that. Using different muscles in different seasons, not the same yeah. ones, repetitively over until you break yeah. that those strings, right? And then you got yeah. to. That makes a lot of sense. I think in the basketball world, especially with parents and AAU coaches being involved, uh, we have the knowledge and exposure to understand. Okay, these players are making these max salaries, so the parents are saying, "Well, if I start them earlier and lock them in earlier at this game." then the better they're going to be in the long run and they'll get to that max salary. I think that's a lot of the hidden agenda behind it. But I agree with you. I wish I would have had played more sports as opposed to just playing basketball for the duration of my middle, you know, adolescence and, and high school years. I wish I would have played baseball longer. I wish I would have played tennis. I wish I would have swam. But you're so focused on trying to be the best in one thing, you kind of forget about everything else and say, I'm, I'm dedicating myself to this. But like you said, I, at the same time, having those different muscle movements, having those different joints and, and tendons and ligaments working in a different fashion will prepare you for it to not hopefully rip or tear or, or be a severe damage in the future. So and like you said, it's the, the options, you know, and it's creating options. You don't want to be pay, playing the same string over and over until that string yeah. breaks. Uh, you want to play multiple strings and different intensities and yeah. you know, give it some rest, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And do you think that's also a product of playing too much. Um, some of these AAU tournaments, you'll play four games a day for three days. And you'll do that for four years. And then you'll go to a college and now you're locked in a college system for another four years. So now you're looking at eight years of essentially nonstop running and jumping and cutting and sprinting. And our bodies really aren't necessarily built to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of wear and tear. Like you said, Carlin, uh, wear and tear. It's a real thing. Uh, burn physical burnout, not just mental burnout. It's a real thing. Um, and you know, I mean, we're just you know, we're basically organisms, right? Uh, you know, made up of a bunch of cells, and you know, we're not built like machines. We're not meant to be machines, right? We can get ourselves pretty darn close to as efficient as possible, but you know, you got to give yourself that that opportunity to not uh, put so much mileage on your body. Yeah. Um, and cross training, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, you know, your talent is talent, right? That's never going to go away. That's, right, that's how it is. <laughs> right. The next question is, how do you have confidence in the phrase that we always hear? Listen to your body. I know we've talked a lot in the past about the Kawhi Leonard situation where he actually did listen to his body, didn't play that season, uh, despite the Spurs' orders and demands, despite what they wanted out of there you know, one of their high, pretty high paid players and he bet on himself and he said, you know what, I'm gonna listen to my body, take this year off and then come back the next year. And then the rest is history, he wins the championship with Toronto. How do you get more players or more athletes or more people to actually listen to their body? I think it's uh, doing your own research. You know, a lot of times I think someone, uh, Kawhi seemed like he is intelligent enough to have uh, uh, different consultants, uh, different uh, people on his sides because you know, like the article you and I collaborated on, you know, what, who, who's part of the team's doctors, right? Who's the boss? 
right? And right. if the boss says, hey, you know what, your job's on the line, um, make sure this player, you know, goes on, uh, you might, you might, you know, tend to fudge a little things, uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, kind of, kind of push that player out like Kevin Durant, right? You know, yes. Kevin Durant was going to out, I right and say he was disappointed in uh, Golden State for putting him out there, but I think someone advised them incorrectly, right? Right. Negligence, um, on that sense. But, um, I think, you know, listening to your body, uh, is, is that intuition, you know, you can't vocalize it. And a lot of people, unfortunately, in this Western medical model, um, choose the professionals that they believe in or the personalities on YouTube or Instagram or whatnot um, to follow. And um, and maybe the, the, the information isn't exactly uh, correct or even misleading. Yeah. Uh, so I think we, get, we fall into those traps. Like, you know, I've had seven surgeries before the age of 30. And uh, I would say uh, if I knew better now in retrospect, I would have uh, ditched about five of them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are the things that, that, you know, listening to your body, getting the right research, getting maybe even a second opinion. It doesn't hurt. Just say, hey, I'd like to get a second opinion on my yeah. own. Is yeah. that okay? You know, like, of course it should be okay. It's your, within your right as a human, is when you, within your right as an employee. It's, you know, if you think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, sports is a business. We talked about that, you know. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I think that business aspect, um, it's like a, it's like a shadow that's looking over your shoulder, and you, you spoke to the point where there's emphasis for owners to urge their doctors and their team physicians to say, hey, do whatever it takes to get this player, he or she, back on the field, back on the court. Um, I don't care what their body is saying. I don't care what they're telling you. I'm telling you, I'm paying them. So this is what I expect. And unfortunately, we see a lot of that at the collegiate level too, where head coaches will give you kind of this look or this this sense of they're not happy with you taking a day off of practice. They're not happy with you missing a game um, because there's this rhetoric that you're being soft, which um, is another topic from the day that needs to be dispelled. But I, I really think, like you said, doing your research, trusting your intuition, and understanding that you are actually the person that has to go through it, play it, you're the commodity. You got to take more ownership and more pride in, in trusting your instincts and believing in, in your body. And uh, it, it, it rarely steers you wrong, uh, as I've learned throughout my time as well. Yep, exactly. I am in full agreement with that one. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, what does rest look like? How do how do you define rest for your clients, whether they're athletes or whether they're the weekend warrior types? You know. Um, it's uh, rest is, is underrated, um, and 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 I think, or you know, and I think we need to emphasize that a little bit more. Um, just like we were speaking about the efficiency and machines, like we break out, uh, and we, if we're repetitive, if we're playing a repetitive sport, guess what? You're you're emphasizing those muscles a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, rest very important. Um, now, how you rest could be different, right? Doesn't mean just sitting around with ice packs. Um, you can go for a walk. You can go for yoga, right? I think you did a bunch of that yourself yeah. in your rehab as well, Carla. Um, wonderful things. Just doing different things, not the same sport. Um, and I would recommend generally the, the rule of thumb is basically if you if you if you're sore uh, after an event, after you know for more than a day, that's too much. Okay. So something's got to give, right? Like you got to yeah. do those balancing exercises or those stability exercises. Yeah. That is also a form of rest. So PT rest exercises, I would consider that active rest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to kind of reinvest into your body because you've broken it down. Um, you want to build that body capital is what I call it. You know, and, and then when you play a game, you're going to deduct, you know, a thousand body points um, and you got to build it back up for the right. next game. So I think people like Michael Jordan or those greats, they just had an infinite amount of a body capital in their bank, you know? So that's, that's one way I like to think of it. So you want to reinvest, build it up with rest. Rest is uh, important. If, you do, if you're inflamed for more than 24 hours, um, it's too much. Uh, I think if you're sore until the next mid like day or so, um, I think that's fine. Obviously, you want to get on your electrolytes and all that helpful 
um, anti-inflammatory uh, type of things like the cherry yeah. concentrate we promote here. Yeah. So you're saying the best form of rest is what we call, and everybody uses the term active rest. So that could be working on your balancing for your ankles, your hips, um, probably some glute type stuff, bridge, um, maybe doing some yoga or working out in the pool lightly. I think the biggest thing I'm understanding that I'm inferring is that you want the intensity to be low, but the focus on the task to be very high. So really honing in on some stuff you probably normally wouldn't do, but making sure that you do it. So like you said, you can have more body capital to pull from in those crunch time moments or when you need that extra bit of gas in that fourth quarter. No, I like that. Absolutely. Like that. Um, speaking of that, <clears throat> what are your thoughts on what we see? A lot of technological advancements and modalities. We got the recovery boots. We got the massage guns. We got cryotherapy. Um, essentially, there's like a new invention almost every year to help with the component of recovery. Um, is there something you like, you don't like? Do you feel like it's worth the, the investment? Talk to me about some of those things you've seen. I think there's a lot of great tech going on uh, out there. Uh, I I chose as a practice to, to go with more hands-on things like using our hands here and, mm -hmm. and eyes. Uh, but not everyone has that accessibility, right, to someone right. like me or uh, whatnot. And I think there's some great stuff out there. I do believe in like anything that has to do with uh, the biofeedback, the apps like, you know, expanding your mind like Lumosity or even that, um, you know, that, that, that was that brain space yes. uh, one headspace? Yes. Uh, I think those are I think those are great um, as well. Uh, in terms of uh, you know some of the, the other things like like the cryo or, or some of the flashy things, um, it, you know I can't knock it all because I haven't tried it. Um, but but in general, you'll know. You know I, I I'm gonna put it back on on the people and their and their their intuition. So. If you feel like you're, there's benefit, you know, try it, you know, maybe ask to try it for a week or something like that before you buy it. Right. Uh, especially when you're investing, uh, you know, one, two, three thousand dollars into a device or, or whatnot. And I think people should be uh, um, understanding it to that point. Uh, so um, I would say most things aren't going to hurt you. Yeah. Uh, are they going to give you the full benefits? Uh, maybe not, because uh, everyone is different. Everyone's yeah. body, uh, body size, body type. Um, type of sport is different. So, you know, as physical therapists, we're always looking at, you know, what caused this injury? What was the mechanism, you know, that you, you cr this created? What are the demands you put on your body? And who's in front of me, right? You know, you at your, your height, Carlin, you know, um, versus someone five, nine and 300 pounds, you know, a power lifter, right? Like, uh, I don't know, right? It's going to be different. Right. Um, so having that very more individualized, specific, type of uh, goals in mind for yourself and individual, uh, you know, individualized plan is going to be the best way to take care of yourself yeah. um, and reinvest in yourself. Yeah. I ask because I know a lot of us that play overseas, um, unfortunately, the structure of physical therapy falls back to the category where you're talking about the teams and the owners are pushing these players overseas to play through every injury no matter what. So the physical therapy care isn't that great most of the time. So a lot of guys, a lot of girls will resort to buying a Normatec, you know, the recovery boots for the yes. blood circulation. They'll buy a gun to massage some of their sore joints out. They'll do cryotherapy and things like that because we just don't have access to great care overseas. So if that's the case, then obviously you're saying, by all means, go ahead. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yes, exactly. I said, just know that, you know, a lot of it is short term. And if that's what you got to do to get through the season, that's what you got to do. Right. And, um, you know, but even things like, uh, you know, my YouTube channel is full of great exercises and stuff yeah. like that. You can do those anywhere, everywhere. Right. <laughs> so right. anytime. Right. So, and those are things like have a good plan, maybe going forward, um, you know, during the off season, finding someone having that plan of what do, what should I do during a game or before yeah. a game, after a game, yeah. during a game, during halftime, right. um, you know, to, to, to manage. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the mindset. That segues perfectly into my next question. Um, for you in the off season, what is your ideal rate of seeing a high level, high performance client? Do you have like a certain schedule in mind? Let's say the first beginning, the first half of the off season in the summer, 
And then as they're starting to show you, they've got the exercises down, they got the movements down, you dial back on seeing physical therapists. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so if it's a typical like 10 week to 12 week, uh, you know, like a quarter of the, the, the year, uh, I definitely believe the first six to eight weeks, uh, ideally for someone, I spend 40 to 45 minutes with each client uh, individually. Uh, so uh, twice a week uh, would be good because you're, you're working on recovery, right? Sure. There's some big things. Those are, there's tons of science about, you know, recovery uh, in that six to eight week period. Then, um, and then, and then you're getting the performance. Have you seen them less? I would say once or twice. Uh, um, is, it depends on you know what what the athlete uh, demands are or what they need what the injury uh, was. from us. Yeah, what the injury was. Uh, but I would say if you came in with just more wear and tear, body like rundown. If you're a rookie, especially getting taken care of, uh, yeah. you know, taking care of things before they get bad. Um, you know, it can it can vary. But I would say ideally it's uh, twice a week for that. You know, like six eight week period. Yeah. Um, get everything correct, aligned. Teach you how to keep it there yeah um, then build on top of that while while you're ramping back up um you know and playing again and practicing again before yeah uh, the season starts getting preseason starts no I, I i love that and i think that was one of my my setbacks from my downfalls as we were talking about earlier a little bit um not having access to proper physical therapy overseas but when i came back from my first season in israel um to give you kind of a background i was playing 40 minutes a game in israel but the year before in the G League, I was only playing 21 minutes a game. So my body was not necessarily ready to take on an additional 19 minutes, but I pushed through it anyway. But towards the end of the season, I could feel my body just dead tired, overly exhausted. Uh, my legs were starting to kind of give out, but I came home and I went right back to working out some more as opposed to, okay, let me find a physical therapist. Let me put a program together, have he or she check out where my deficiencies are with my walking, my running, my core, um, things of that nature, and then build up from there. Had I did that, I really don't think I would be injured or my career would be over. So I'm trying to get my clients and the people on here to understand the importance of it. Absolutely. I think it's so important to, to like I said, you know, what we've been talking about is reinvesting into your body because, um, you know, a car that a car is not going to run a hundred thousand miles, you know, or two hundred thousand miles in in its uh you know span without you doing your maintenance. Yeah, Carrie, we're gonna get to that question in one second, bro. I got a couple more I gotta ask him. Okay, the other question I want to talk about, and you show me how do you properly foam roll? A lot of people are just taught so many different things from strength trainers and coaches alike, but you have some very interesting points that I like, and I think that worked. For me when I was doing it. So how do you yeah. how do you properly foam roll? And how foam long? Roll. How long? And yeah. Foam roll, you know, you don't need that long. I would say uh, a good forty five seconds is all you need if you do it. At least I created a style called functional foam rolling. You can look it up on YouTube. I'll you know I'll, I'll put my um, YouTube channel up um, for you all to kind of check out as well. And uh, just check up functional foam roll. Um, and basically there's you know you take a muscle right a, a, a muscle that's like this muscle belly pretend this yeah. is like the top of your calf the bottom of your calf a lot of people just roll it this way right, right. lengthwise or, or at least if i'm basing you guys it's this way but what about taking the muscle belly and bending it this way or learning to rotate especially for those in rotationary sports um and then also uh and just holding it too and sometimes you can break up a little scar tissue yeah. uh, as well so uh, and that's kind of the, the thought process um, there is that, you know, you only need about 10 seconds uh, doing these different styles of the foam roll. Okay. Uh, and then lengthening it, you can also lengthen it by using like an active contraction. Like if I put the foam roll through here, this muscle or something like that, then I'm lengthening it and straightening it, lengthening it. And, okay. you know, as you got to experience it, it released pretty quickly, right? And yeah. You can be a hell of a lot more efficient that way. Um, yeah. So... I mean, because there's some people out there saying, you know, take a foam roller and just hold it, you know, sit on that tight spot on your muscle, your hamstring and just hold it for like five minutes. I've heard people say, take a lacrosse ball and whatever that tight spot is, you hold it on there on your body until it releases. But like you said, you're only covering one part of the surface area of the muscle as opposed to a 360 type of view, um, how the muscle is naturally and normally intended to work. So you're saying 45 seconds, let's say per tight area of soreness muscle? Yeah. 
100%. And I would say, you know, what that function is, there's basically two types of things that can create um, dysfunction in your muscle. And, you can, and that holding thing is for spasms. Okay. That's basically a break in a feedback loop from your sensory and that motor, and it's basically held like in a, in a knot, right? Okay. Um, and that's great for that. That style is totally great. Um, and, you know, but if you've got true adhesions or scar tissues where, where things are stuck to each other, foam rolling may not necessarily be the, the, the right type of care or, or even like the hypervolt or the Theragun or whatnot. Those are really meant to help tone, not necessarily restriction issues. Okay. That segues perfectly into the next topic of cupping and scraping. A lot of people are very um, enamored with cupping. A lot of people love that heavy, hard duty scraping. Do those actually promote the type of benefits and processes that your muscles need to recover, in your opinion? Uh, I, well, we do a, a form of that here at uh, Rehab Revive, um, but it's very specific. Uh, I think when you're doing a lot of the scraping, which comes from a old uh, Eastern medicine uh, background, um, trying to promote blood flow, um, I believe there's some, you know, in Chinese medicine, that thought process, uh, I think there's some, some truth to that. Uh, cupping, same thing, we're always pushing on muscles, if you're getting a massage, you're always pressing. Um, how many times are you getting a muscle pulled, right, away from the body? Yeah. Um, so it's a different three-dimensional aspect, uh, whether it's cupping or what we do here is plunging uh, over here at Rehab Revive. Um, that's kind of the thought process uh, is, to, is to make your muscle uh, have different uh, abilities to lengthen and contract and be optimal, as, uh, as, as we'd like to say. Okay. And the last kind of question around this round, what are your thoughts on stretching, whether it's static or whether it's doing movement type stretches? Because I know you, you're, a big, uh, you're a big proponent of nerve flossing. A lot of people yes. don't know what that is, but cover the stretching part first. And cycle. Yeah, the stretching. So I think people overstretch. <laughs> uh, I'm straight up just going to say that out there. I think uh, uh, I think it's redundant. I think uh, you know things that are are uh, unfortunately underutilized are the muscles that people tend to stretch, and we talked about that eccentric. Um, it decreases that eccentric power uh, to slow down motion and then lead to tears. So I think. You know, when you're asking about, uh, you know, why these uh, there's devastating uh, career or season-ending injuries, I think uh, a lot of the people out there, uh, a lot of the trainers, a lot of the athletes themselves are seeking stretching-type activities because um, it feels good. Don't get me wrong. You've got receptors in your muscles. feels good when you get that little light-burning thing, but that light-burning thing is usually a nerve, like, telling you something yeah. uh, as well. So. Um, I think uh, I think young athletes are overstretching. I think uh, especially think, you know a, a dancer athletes, uh, but I think we're we're overdoing that. Um, instead, we need to be strengthening and uh, stabilizing those uh, those muscles. And I think that feeling of wanting to stretch goes away because um, if you, I always tell people, think of a rubber band, right? You know, and I, I should have a rubber band, but but if you if you if you're on a rubber band that's elastic, that's great. But what you know, a tight rubber band still has elasticity, right? But what about if you're at the end of the rubber band, right? That's tight too. Yeah. Um, so which one's tight, right? And then, you know, and I would say if it's tight like this, if it's smaller, then it has a lot more give. Yeah. So that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. So when we're constantly stretching the same muscles or the same muscles keep coming back as a issue, uh, those are the things where you do do the functional foam rolling. Maybe uh, get you know, seek help um, and breaking up those adhesions correctly and then, and then stabilizing that very same muscle uh, is the key. And I think like the young athletes are, are really, you know, um, setting themselves up uh, as well uh, for, for some, some chronic issues later on or micro tears because they're overstretching. Yeah, uh, that's powerful. When you do the rubber band example, it definitely makes sense. You continue to stretch that muscle. I'm assuming it's going to, get to an end point where it can't be stretched anymore, I guess the question is what happens? And that's where the, the tears and stuff come from, as opposed to when it's already tight and if you can get it warm enough, now you're stretching it, now it's already getting, you know, the type of promotion and blood circulation that it needs. You, you speak a lot about young athletes and you brought up a good point uh, in our talk the other day. You talked about 
at an age, a young age, I'm assuming, let's say, I don't know, 10 to 15 or let's say 9 to 18, you were talking about the need to train for speed as opposed to train for power. Um, When we're taught the opposite, we're taught, you know, be as strong as you can, as early as you can, so you put up your foundation for the rest of your career and then add speed and quickness as you elevate the ranks and get to a higher level. What is the true process? What is the true meaning of how you should train when you're in that very, very important stage where your body is still developing and growing and, and building its muscles and, and bones? I think if you, you, you're you going to the weight room and trying to slam as much weights and, and stack as much plates as possible, uh, I think from what I've seen as a, as a professional um, and even personally as a young athlete, uh, uh, that that's the wrong approach. I think a lot of times our body, as it's developing, doesn't know how to handle that excess weight we put on. Um, might look great, you know, good beach body, <laughs> but you know, a lot of times I think we just don't know how to handle the power that it generates. Don't know how to slow it down. Um, and my thought process is, you know, until puberty is finished, uh, you're working on speed, you're working on body weight, functional activities, yeah. getting your physical therapy. Um, you're avoiding overstretching, popping yourself. A lot of athletes are cranking on themselves um, as well and hurting themselves. Um, yeah. um, and so uh, I think what I did a, a while ago in 2017, I wrote a blog uh, about Tim Tebow, uh, his arm strength, arm velocity, you know, all that stuff was, was, was dipping uh, as because of his bulk. Um, and I always say you want to train velocity and how you want to look at velocity is up to you. Um, in terms of whether it's uh, sprint speed or, you know, or, or, or power in that sense. Um, but if you look at force um, as a physics equation, force equals mass times acceleration, right? So um, acceleration uh, is actually velocity squared. Now, if you put that equation into to something and you wanted to improve and elicit the same amount of power, you know, speed is just as important as mass, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think we can, as we're done growing, we can build on the mass. But if you improve um, something like 0.1 milliseconds on your velocity, let's just say that, which is, you know, sounds very reasonable, right? To improve like a, a, a 0.1 milliseconds, yeah. just, yeah. just a little faster, right? Right. Um, that's equivalent of putting about 18 pounds of muscle mass, lean muscle mass. Wow. Now, when you're 15 and 16, putting on 18 pounds of lean muscle mass, what do you think, right? You know, it's probably too much, right? And, and can we handle that? Yeah. Um, so, so work on that speed, work on, and that's my advice, work on uh, until you're fully grown, and then you can put on the mass. And yeah. then, but once you learn you've got that excess mass, you better have the stability and the ability to control right. that mass. Right. And I think that's what, what's great about um, – People that are a little bit more slight, like uh, I think Tom Brady for a long time looks about the same. I mean, yeah, great career. Peyton yeah. Manning looks about the same. Yeah. You know, those that tend to have bulked up or got heavier in weight. You know, I loved Ken Griffey Jr. for a long time. Um, great athlete, uh, you know, until he started putting on weight. I think. Yeah. You know, even right now, me as a Dodgers fan, I watch uh, my, one of our fan favorites, Cody Bellinger. He's added more weight on his yeah. body. Yeah. And he's not swinging as well. His bat velocity has gone down, right? right? All that stuff. You know, I think there's something to that. We need to do a little bit more studying and more research on it. But I think there's um, something about it. Yeah. One of my buddies, I don't know if he's still on, but he had asked a question, uh, Kerry Carter. He's really great at the functional movement stuff. He's really great at using resistance bands as opposed to, like you said, 45 plates, 45 plates, 45 plates. And he's really preaching with his service and who he works out with is that functional movement from your toes all the way up to your neck. And looking back on it, I would love to have, <laughs> I would love to have a carrier, you know, yourself when I was 14, 15, 16, because it was just, you know, how can we get you to 225 on the bench press? How can we get you to squat 300 by the time you leave high school? And it's just like, come on, man. Some of the best players, uh, like you said, maintain strength and stability just by doing the little things as opposed to just loading up, bulking up, and now they're restricting their range of motion, they're restricting their muscle endurance because the muscles don't have anywhere to go. They can't they can't lengthen anymore and they can't strengthen, but that was good. The last one, um, before I ask you one more question, two questions left, 
we got we got five minutes left to get the questions part. Um, talk to me about training and strengthening your core. I had no idea what this meant until I met you, because I was always taught, you know, you, you just got to have a look. It's got to be an eight pack, a six pack. But my abs never really had function. They just looked good. Now, as I've you know built my relationship with you and moved on, I can feel my core in a lot of different movements around the house. I can use it a lot more to disperse energy evenly throughout my body as opposed to just having one muscle do it. And it feels like there's more of a chain connection. So talk to me about what working your core really means. Well, working your core, I think like like you said, uh, Carla, and reflecting on our time together, it was like you're this great athlete, a lot of speed, you know, had power, but you didn't connect it, right? You weren't as rooted. And the core, if you really think about where it is in our body, it's that midsection. Right. Now that midsection, if you kind of like, let me use a, one of my, my tools here. Example, this is the top is the diaphragm. Um, your bottom is the pelvic floor. And then around, I would say is your abdominal. So um, you want to be able to, it's, it's like a cylinder, right? It's like a ball of strength, ball of energy. It connects our upper body, connects our lower body, connects our head and neck. Um, you know, and I used to say this to you um, as well when, when, when you're playing and stuff that, you know, telegraphing your movements, you know, is really, if you can hide it well, it's a really good core because right. you're, you're, you're juking and all that stuff, but your core is like just nothing. It doesn't move. Right. Right. Um, so that's the function functionality of it is to, is to, is to imply that you're just like any muscle, like I said before, uh, you know, expands, lengthens and shortens, yeah. contracts and lengthens. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's how you use it. It's a spring. It's a spring action loaded movement. Yeah. You jump and you land. That core is better. That core better condense and then get you back up so you don't hurt your back. You don't right. herniate your disc. Um, you know, and you want to sprint. Guess what? You know, you're, it's going to be a piston, right? It's going to act like this. So, you know, the type of core work that, that one needs or one may be looking for isn't just holding planks, isn't just crunches or six packs. Um, is taking these things, doing prolonged holds, balance, things like yoga, Pilates, boy, I mean, even, at, I mean, I just for, for fun, for a couple of years, I just cardio bar, that stuff's all core. I mean, I invite all athletes to try those different things because right. um, that's another way to cross train, actively rest, but it's, a, you know, it really does uh, kick your butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm a big advocate of yoga and, and yoga definitely, uh, response to that narrative in terms of really allowing your core to extend your body on different planes and to be able to hold that balance. And Pilates the same way. I got one of my one of my followers who plays uh, in the Euro League for for Maccabi Tel Aviv. He's really a big advocate on Pilates. I mean, that's his go to during the summer. Um, and he tells me how much it, it does wonders for his body as well. So, yeah, that core aspect. I think it's always been. Uh, incorrectly demonstrated and in, incorrectly explained to us athletes because we're just thinking about, like you said, the beach body, getting shredded, and that's it. But when it comes to actually doing our jobs and our performance, it's not doing anything to help us or to make us better. The last question I had in this was, what advice do you have for any young um, people that would like to be walking in that physical therapy um, lifestyle and walking in those shoes and, and go for that degree in that in that role absolutely so right now uh in the united states uh it's uh it's an undergraduate degree uh usually some sort of uh pre-medicine uh or pre-physical therapy scientists if you've got that background if you don't then you can still take a continuing education uh, at a community college uh to get you ready for the the gres you gotta take that uh, and then it's a three-year studying process to get your doctorate. Everyone comes out with a doctorate. Now every school has adapted to that. Yeah. Uh, and then you have about one year of residencies and rotations. Um, and that's just to get the baseline. You know, my mentors always said, you know, once you get your, grad your graduate degree, you get your license. It, all, it only means you have the right to practice. doesn't mean you're going to be great at it. So right. you know, to constantly read, to constantly think, to constantly study, watch videos, watch film, just like an athlete would, um, you know, as one thought. I, you know, I decided to take a lot of continuing education, um, put in about 10,000 hours into becoming a specialist. Um, and, uh, you know, my advice is, uh, I think, to be great 
at physical therapy uh, is to have uh, empathy and to have yeah. not just and, and, to, and I think the greatest therapists are the ones that have been injured, not the ones that that are just good at studying and great, um, you know, in that sense. But but I think having the ability to apply life lessons, uh, gone to try different things with their bodies and, and tested it, uh, got injured, unfortunately, those are the 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 the, the mindset to, to be great at physical therapy. And, um, I love this profession. I get to help people day in and day out. And uh, yeah. I, I, I honestly believe I, I'm so lucky to have uh, chosen the right path to help people like you and, and many others. Right. No, that's great. I think a lot of people are kind of struggling. Obviously, everybody struggled during this time with COVID. Some people are still trying to figure out, you know, what makes sense for me in my career. I still want to be around sports. I still want to help people. Maybe I'm not going to play. Maybe I don't want to coach, but I think a lot of people don't look at this aspect of a job as being a serious career when it actually is. So I thank you for sharing that. So that has concluded for uh, the interview session with me and you in terms of the questions that I had for you. Now we'll open the floor to anybody that wants to write a question directly to uh, Dr. Lynn. Please put it in the comment box and we'll get this thing rolling for the Q&A. Or actually, not the comment box. Put it in the question box next to the comments. But I'll get started on one I saw earlier from Carrie. He said, should you start that six to eight week period as soon as you come back from your season? Or should you give it like a week or two to just kind of relax after a long season and then start your program with your physical therapist? You know, um, it depends on the individual. I think if you're the type that needs a, a little mental decompression, um, just go on a vacation. I think that's awesome. Do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would say any any athlete kind of kind of knows what what. Yeah, I'm looking for that break. I just want to go buck wild and relax at the beach for 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 a week. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's not gonna. Is it detrimental to have that one week or a ten day delay? No. I think I think as long as you know that you're committed to to building that process and building yourself up. Um, that's going to be the key to your success and longevity um, as well. Yeah. All right. I had a question here from uh, my guy. Can you read that? Yeah. Does he recommend TENS EMS? So, um, you know, TENS is the basically EMS is the electrical, like STEM machines, yep. or uh, is that portable uh, thing yep. uh, just for people's knowledge if they, if they don't have an idea? Um, I like it. Uh, I don't use it here um, because, uh, you know, people uh, spend a good amount of money to have valuable time with me. Right. Uh, but I generally like it as short-term recovery. Uh, I think if you're doing that with ice, it's not, that, it's not meant to cure. Uh, it's not meant to, it's a good holdover. It's a good uh, way to kind of manage some of the pain signals that you may be having. Um, but it, it, it's not going to solve um the things that really need to be fixed in the off season. Yes. This is happening in season. Makes sense. Another one for you here. When should you ice and when not to? Um, I'm a, I'm an ice person. Uh, research goes either way. Uh, I definitely feel like, look, you know, I'm just using common sense, but, um, if you're, if you're injured or you, 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 you aggravated your, your muscles or something like that, you're going to swell. And how much space do we really have in our body? You know, let's say it's our finger joint. If we jammed it, and, you know, catching a basketball, yeah. you don't have a whole lot, so you're not going to be able to bend it, right? Right. Um, so, so, and if you think of the properties of cold, cold condenses molecules, right? Right. Heat expands molecules. Yeah. So that's my general running thing. I try to use common sense uh, to make sense of it in the world. Um, or Wayne's World, you know, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so hopefully that makes sense. Uh, so ice, I would say ice after big activities or activities that are not your normal. Let's say you, you practice two days instead of um, that's when you got to be icing. Um, now, if you want to heat, um, that's fine, too. Uh, just do it before, I would say. OK, before your activities. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. My guy Isaac asks, how effective is using um, a hypervolt, which is a gun, massage gun versus foam rolling, <clears throat> or is it best to do both to have more benefit? I think, um, 
you know, it's a personal choice. Uh, I think it's a preference where, uh, I think, I mean, hypervolt is great. Like I said, foam rolling is great. Uh, but once again, as we said uh, earlier, is it's more to manage tone, right? Tone is just that knot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you want that knot to be less of a knot and then you want it to function, you know, lengthen and contract, right? So um, I think uh, um, short term, it's fine and whatever pr- preference. Uh, I don't think it needs to be redundant, uh, whether you're, you're stacking it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you pick one or the other and, and don't, you know, I, I mean, I see dancers all the time, gymnasts all the time, they're just overstretching over, you know, trying to lengthen, 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 but, you know, rarely, like I said, are they stabilizing. But you'll find that if you guys work on the stabilizing muscles, there's less need to even want to stretch. There's mm-hmm. less need to fidget and want to pop things. And yeah, whatnot. yeah. Appreciate that. You guys have some great questions. Keep them coming. Uh, the next one right here. <clears throat> What's recommend for bone bruises? Bone bruises, yeah. You know, that happens. Uh, you know, you get a knee to your thigh or whatnot, or, or yep. um, it's just like any kind of bruise. Uh, it just happens to be deeper. Uh, I would say it's a, it's the ice and rest. Um, you know, your body's going to have to bone tends to heal in about a, a 10 to 16 week interval. Um, you know, can you play right away? I wouldn't highly recommend it. If you have to, you can get by sure, you know, but but that really, that first two, three weeks is really important for that bone integrity to heal. You know, I think there's that one Louisville Final Four or something like that player a while ago. And, and even Paul George, you know, just like they just make a quick turn and their, their, their tibia, their shin snaps. Yeah. Um, that's because of those bone bruises or light stress fractures that are happening. And then it thins out the bone. You need inside your bone, there's many cells. Um, that, that, you know, the molecules and the cells that are going to hold that integrity. So it is really important that, uh, you know, we manage bone bruises well, um, being smart about it and, uh, and doing the right thing and resting. Got you. One of the questions from, um, when I put up the question poll the other day was how many days should we use to recover after an intense workout? Ooh, like I said. If you're doing a good workout that's not harmful, it doesn't last more than midday till the next day, right? Um, If it's lasting more than two days, three days, you've created something called DOMS, which is the delayed onset muscle uh, soreness is a breakdown. And when you break down, you create stress hormone uh, called cortisol or cortisone. Um, And those break down healthy cells. And when you break down healthy cells, you'll tend to, uh, you're going to wear and tear the next time, right? So right. Um, I would say you rest until that soreness uh, is manageable. Yeah. Um, and you're dating the concentrated chair juice and the active rest, the active rest type yeah. activities. Another one from that poll was how important is sleep? Sleep, very important. You know, as you know here, uh, it's the very first thing I teach people. Um, and those are on the videos uh, on my YouTube as well, you can look at back sleeping, side sleeping, how to avoid uh, stomach sleeping. Um, but that sleep, you need those. The, the important thing about sleep, as we, we, you know, we all know, the general consensus is that there's, um, you know, the rest, the recovery component, right? Um, REM cycle, yeah, uh, really important, and yep. um, and just slowing down your heart rate. If you slow down the body heat, slow down the heart rate, um, you're going to recover faster. Uh, you're going to be more efficient in um, in building building back. Uh, you know, your endurance and stamina. So you're not tired, right? You know, you do five days of two a days in a row. Like, are you really going to be at your peak performance? Yeah. Not really, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those those two a days, uh, my guy, Wayne, who asked you about the uh, ice, he's going through that right now. Uh, Those two a days can get brutal overseas. But another one was, how do you help your athletes, your clients overcome the mental recovery part of it when they're going through that injury they don't feel like themselves. They're trying to get better with you, but you can see, like mentally, they're still trying to get over the the hump of why this happened to me. You know, how do you help clients with mental aspect of recovering from injury? Well, I think uh, you know when we were doing that, uh, you know, with, with our experience together, Harlan, uh, you know, I wanted to get you on to, to reading books and, and and listening to the different people just to to have that positive mindset because you know. Uh, this too shall pass, as yes. they say, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
and and what what you know i think when people get initially injured just like any kind of grief loss cycle whether it's um you know, you're losing a family member or, or COVID, you know, yeah. um, you go through that process it's natural. It's okay. Uh, but then, you know, how long do you want to wallow in your own misery? Right. Uh, you know, probably no more than two or three weeks. It's time to, 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 you know, figure out what's next. Right. Um, and then, um, so I would say, you know, a lot of people come in, they feel betrayed by, uh, the, the, the athletes feel betrayed by their coaches, feel betrayed by their, health staff um, and it's trying to rebuild that trust. But sometimes I think people feel and take it on themselves um, is that they feel they they betrayed their own body and their body felt, you know, or they feel betrayed by their body. Right. Right. So um, it's to reconnect, Uh, reconnect with yourself, you know, whether it's meditate, uh, whether it's the, the, you know, speak positively or even seek some counseling like with Mario uh, whatnot, because um, that body and mind is so intertwined. I, I always say, you know, rehab the mind and revive the body. That's what right. I preach here. Yeah. Um, and so if your mindset's not in the right place, it doesn't matter what I do or to help you guys. Um, your body will just like say, you know, your mind is just like, I'm not in it. I'm not going to do the homework. I'm not going to be compliant. So, you know, you're just wasting time just going through the motions. Yeah. Um, you know, when you make an active mindset change or, a, you know, a perspective paradigm shift, that's going to be the key to you guys all getting better in your careers and uh, maintaining your careers for longevity. Um, and I know we're running out of time, so. No, no, you're um, good. We're going to go one more. Okay. That was great. What's the best way to manage knee tendonitis during the season? Ooh. Yeah, so, you know, tendonitis, um, you can look at it a couple ways, uh, Wayne um, and everybody, is that, uh, you know, it's a breakdown. There's inflammation. Uh, if there's no inflammation and it's just painful, then there might be degeneration. So they call it tendinosis or tendinopathy that could lead to tears so tendonitis is some early stuff does it really could it lead to tear sure but um you know managing the inflammation is going to be the key um structuring working out your hip um and strengthening and stabilizing your ankle are going to be the keys uh to that whether it's a balance exercise and i've got some cool exercises on my my youtube called the ankle clocks um hip holds uh those are some great things i, I would highly recommend is heel slides um are a great one uh i think they're tough and you do them correctly um and there's that's the way to kind of rebalance uh take away from the quad excess quad strength and work on the hamstrings yeah perfect last one uh what are some great re- what are some great ways and methods to get rid of swelling um, well, ice, uh, the concentrated cherry juice is so great. I think in getting the uh, chronic, uh, systemic inflammation that a lot of us deal with. Um, so cherry juice concentrate, uh, you know, not from concentrate, but definitely more syrup kind, uh, two tablespoons, uh, and then sleeping, um, is going to be great to manage inflammation. But, you know, there's, everyone knows about rice, you know, rest, elevate, um, compress, um, that still works. Still great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely our job is to find whatever activities we're, we're doing that hurts us, that creates that inflammation, either modify it, uh, learn how to correct it, be more efficient, um, or get rid of it and stop doing it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Last yeah. question. Uh, we only got 30 seconds left, so try to make it as quick as you can. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I feel an injury in my ankle, but I want to know, could it possibly be my knee? Could it possibly be my back? Because I've done everything for my ankle and it's still not working. Yeah, it could be from your back. A lot of times that's what I'll feel. Um, but definitely stability in the hips um, leads to excess. Uh, let's say your hip joint is out like one centimeter. Imagine the way your foot lands. It could be one inch or two inches out further than your what you think your perspective is of where your foot lands. And that creates that, you know, tearing or, or rolling the ankle. Yeah. Chronically. All right, that'll be it. We got the last 15 seconds. So... I want to thank you for jumping on here, answering all the followers' questions. You guys give them a follow for more insight, for more tips. And if you're ever in the Tustin, Irvine, or Orange County area in general, feel free to give his office a call or swing by to see about their availability. If you have any nagging injuries, any recent surgeries, or just need some regular maintenance for your strength training uh, or your athletic training as well, this is somebody you definitely want to have 
lay their eyes and their hands on you and you won't regret the experience. He's none like any other person you've ever experienced in the physical therapy realm. All right. I put that on everything. Additionally, you can check out his website for more information. And more importantly, you can check out his YouTube page where he has tons and tons of videos covering different body parts, different exercises and workouts you can do at your own uh, discretion at home to help with those same nagging injuries we just talked about. So that's everything for this uh, verse. I'll put those links in the verse description. Hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed doing it. And uh, until next time, all love this way.